0: Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday morning as I record this, uh, early morning relative to when I usually wake up, let's be honest. Uh, On my second cup of coffee, though, I tried to record last night. My roommate got a little bit annoyed at me, which I'm not surprised. It was 1.45 in the morning when I turned on the record button. Uh, it's currently about 8:45 right now. Uh, so we we got a little bit of sleep, got a little bit of shut eye. I watched the uh I watched the game over again or at least most of the clips trying to prepare for this one. And to be honest, I, I think that Denver's lost it. So this is the post-game recap for Golden State beating Denver 113-102. This game was Denver 102, Golden State 100 with about three minutes left to go or so. And what that tells me is that the Nuggets failed to execute down the stretch and they ran out of gas. But the game was much closer than the final score indicates, I think. This wasn't really a double-digit victory by the Warriors. There were some uh, definite shenanigans at the end that kind of messed with the box score a little bit. But what I will say is that the Nuggets put up a valiant effort to stay in this game. Fourth game in five nights. It's one of their first times in a long time having a four and five. And the last time that I found, I actually asked Michael Malone this pregame, and he's like, "Uh, you're wrong, Ryan. You're actually wrong. Uh, But the last time that I saw, having gone back through the schedule manually, that they went on a four and five. Was back in January of 2017, late January, early February. There was probably a time recently to that, but that time Denver went one and three, and there were two 20 point blowouts. The fact that Denver went three and one on this stretch, and their only loss was a loss to the Golden State Warriors that had Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. And the only guy that they were really missing from their rotation, uh, two guys were Draymond Green. Actually, I guess three. You had Gary Payton missing. You had Draymond Green missing, and you had Andre Iguodala missing. So that's fine. Like I understand it. Denver had Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and uh, Will Barton missing. So like that's that's more collective talent. Let's be honest. Like Denver they didn't have a lot of shooting in this game. They shot 7 of 31, 22%. Their legs were definitely dead. Nikola Jokic uh, looked like a corpse out there at times just trying to get through this game. And it's just very clear that the Nuggets were exhausted at the end of this one. And the fact that they even got there to that point, I think it is a testament to where they are as a team, the quality with which they've been playing. And though the Warriors aren't like, they're not the greatest competition in the world right now because they've been struggling with a lot of different things. They kind of had a kick to the nuts over the course of these last couple. And they, they've they woken up, in my opinion. Steph is playing much better than he has in a while. Clay, though he only went 7 of 20 in this game, continues to provide a nice different layer next to him. And then Jordan Poole off the bench has been fantastic. And Jonathan Kaminga, 18 points on 12 shots, was very good as a shooter in this game, which is very annoying. Uh, Denver needed one other guy to step up as a shooter. And outside of their starting lineup, so let's not include Monte Morris in this, uh, Bones Highland went one of three from three, Brent Forbes went one of four, Davon Reed went one of two, Jamichael Green went 0 of 1. DeMarcus Cousins went 0 of 1 from 3. So Denver didn't really have that much spacing. And yet they were still able to stay in this game for a number of reasons. Uh, Let's talk about the starters first. I'll get to the bench unit in the second segment. There are some things to talk about with that group too. But Jokic obviously looked dead tired. 0 of 8 from 3. 9 of 21 from the field. Let's parse that out really quickly. That means he went 9 of 13 from 2. Which is still pretty good. There were some possessions late in this game where he he lost the ball due to turnovers. He missed a couple bunnies. But if you just eliminate those and look at the bigger picture, he was still really dominant on the inside in this game. He only got to the free throw line six times, and I definitely thought that he, he could have gotten more calls, especially down the stretch. The refs were letting them play a little bit. But I do, and and like you could see, there was a picture going around of Nikola Jokic's neck last night, where he looked like he was scratched by a wolverine of some sort. Um, that's tough. Like you, you'd think that there were a little bit more benefits from that, but I, I also think that he wasn't as aggressive going into the middle of the lane in the second half, and as a result, the Nuggets kind of stalled out. They they didn't have the legs in the second half, which is unsurprising. But Jokic goes 23 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. I thought he was mostly pretty good. He finished a minus 7. If you take away that ending game stretch, he would have finished about even to plus. It is what it is. For the majority of this game, he was Nikola Jokic. And though he didn't get the 3-point shot to go, I still think that that's kind of missing the larger points here, that he was still very good where the Nuggets needed him. They just needed some spacing around him and only really had one guy that could provide that. Monte Morris stepped up in the fourth quarter big time, just going back and watching this game. He wasn't passing uh, to the degree that you probably needed him to, but it almost looked like one of those games where Jokic and Murray in the past would just understand that they have to take over, that there just wasn't going to be any other help coming their way down the stretch. And they took over. And it was one of those games where Jokic was taking a lot of the attention. So Murray benefited from a shooting perspective and a spacing perspective and didn't have to pass. He was kind of the shooting guard in this situation. Same thing with Monte Morris. He was really the shooting guard to Jokic's point guard down the stretch, and and for much of the second half, and honestly, much of this game. But the fact that Morris continues to step up, 19 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, did have 5 rebounds, which was good. Only one assist, only one turnover. I've really liked what I've seen from Monte Morris. I tweeted last night that he really has stepped up as Denver's second-best player, and I think that's true. I think that with Aaron Gordon kind of being up and down over the course of these past few weeks, a lot of it down. And then Will Barton being out of the lineup, and and sometimes he can be extremely irregular. Monte has been the model of consistency for so much of this stretch. He doesn't always get the shooting attempts. Sometimes you're going to go to other guys, and that's kind of the nature of Jokic being the focal point, is that a lot of times it doesn't allow for other players to shine individually for a long time. But Monte, in this stretch, has really stepped up. His shots and his buckets late in the fourth were very big and just instrumental in getting Denver that brief two-point lead that they had. And I really do think that if Murray comes back, if Porter comes back, I still think like if Barton gets back into the starting lineup, which I assume he will, I still want Monte taking double-digit shot attempts pretty much every game. Because he just has such a control out there and such an understanding of where to be in relation to Jokic to really benefit everybody. And there's such a benefit to that late in games, where it obviously didn't work out last night. But I think we can attribute that to fatigue more than anything else. Jokic made some mistakes that he doesn't normally make. Uh, the the paint was just completely collapsed from the corners. I'll talk about that here in just a bit. But I do think if you get back better spacing and you can't necessarily triple team in the paint, then Monte is going to look even better and Jokic is going to look even better. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like when we get that opportunity. If we get that opportunity, that would be great if we did. Um, but we're going to see. Uh, Monte has just... Been a, a very, very important piece. Austin Rivers tonight gets a lot of credit uh, for, or not tonight, last night. He gets a lot of credit for being the guy to step up and take on the Steph Curry assignment. I do think that there was a little bit of it that was overblown. I think that a lot of what Steph did. He was getting hot. He would have gotten hot against a lot of different people, but I do think that there is something to Austin Rivers being a veteran, understanding what he needs to do in some of those situations and just taking advantage of a really good opportunity to defend one of the best players in the NBA. We're going to see. We are going to see how the Nuggets continue to handle this. Um, I do think, I think that his lack of shooting has been a pretty big deal and that just kind of not being the level of shooter that he needs to be in the starting lineup has really put a lot of burden on Jokic's shoulders and it's like his job defensively has been so good that that has kind of minimized some of the other impacts but i do think that for the majority of it like he's just been very beneficial it just you keep looking at these over four three point nights uh 2 of 8 i think last game against sacramento there are some games where he will have a better shooting night more often than not but i think his better shooting opportunities are when he comes off the bench and then plays with the starters to close if he's in a rhythm that's that's kind of how I perceive this most of the time. Once it goes back to being a consistent bench guy, I'll feel a little bit better. Being in the starting lineup for this last game, I think it kind of lost some of the defensive punch that he had. Kind of towards the end of the, the pre-All-Star break, that, that previous game against the Warriors and against Steph Curry where he came off the bench and was just a, a great option that Denver had to close with because he was so good. Um, I think that version is better than the starting version, but it is nice to have a player like Austin Rivers who can do it because there are very few players in Denver's lineup that actually have a prayer of guarding a player like Steph and kind of being able to switch on to other folks. What I will say also Just going back and watching this a second time, there were some badly missed rotations by Rivers, especially when he was not on Curry. There was a a missed defensive box out on Moses Moody where Moody got the offensive rebound, drew another foul on Jokic as a result. Uh, Rivers didn't move uh, from his position on the perimeter, and then Moody just cut right in front of him, grabbed the offensive rebound, and drew a foul. And so that's probably more of a sign of fatigue than anything else. I'm not going to like harp on it too much, but everybody was tired. It's very clear that everybody was tired. Rivers has played a massive role lately, so I'm not going to really blame him for that. But just something to know. Aaron Gordon. Two of 11 from the field, 10 points, 11 rebounds, one assist, one block. Was a minus 12 on the evening. Did get to the line six times, made five of six. He started off the game poorly, and he started off completely out of rhythm for much of it. I'm pretty sure he went into the first half one of seven. He did make a three in the second half, and and you give him credit for that. But on one of the final possessions of the game where Jokic loses the ball, turns it over, and it turns into points the other direction, Clay Thompson was the one who poked the ball free. And it's because he helped off the strong side corner off of Aaron Gordon so much so that Clay was in the paint while Jokic was in the middle of the floor. And Gordon was wide open on the strong side. And I just don't think that Jokic expected Clay to come over that far off of a strong side corner three-point shooter because that's just something you never do as a help defender in today's NBA. So I'm not surprised that Jokic turned the ball over in that situation, but it's also kind of a sign that teams, and especially good playoff teams, they're going to let Aaron Gordon shoot. They're going to give him an opportunity to make shots from the three-point line And if he can hit those shots, it will be a big bellwether for what the Nuggets do. He's going to get these wide open looks a lot of the time. And Denver shot 22% last night. Gordon shot one of three. So obviously he can't really be blamed for that. That's, That's definitely not what I'm trying to do here. But I do think that this is a sign of things to come that especially if Denver does get healthy, you're going to start ticking off the boxes of, okay, so we're not going to leave Michael Porter open. We're not going to leave Jamal Murray open. We're not going to leave Will Barton open. We're not going to leave Monte Morris open. We're not going to leave Nikola Jokic open. Okay. So who's the guy that we are going to leave open? It's probably Aaron Gordon. And it's probably Austin Rivers. So those guys are going to have to make enough shots to keep defenses defenses honest. And I think that's going to be a natural push and pull for Denver throughout the life of Gordon's contract or else he's going to have to be more of a dunker spot guy at various times where he tries to go get offensive rebounds and things like that. I honestly thought that Gordon should have sat in crunch time last night. I know why he didn't. I understand that Denver was definitely in a situation where they needed uh, just as much talent on the floor as possible, and so Gordon could have given them something. And he did give them a three, and that was nice. There were also a couple of possessions where he just takes a random pull-up three in transition. He had a, a weird play in isolation where he tried to post up a smaller defender and then just kind of faded away for a two-pointer in the mid-range. He kept trying to take Steph Curry in a mismatch on the post. Uh, Steph ended up being a plus 18 and committed one foul, and Gordon was two of 11, so I'm not sure if that's the Not sure if that's the proper course of action to bother the Warriors. We're going to see. And finally, Jeff Green, congrats to him for being a father. Uh, His wife gave birth, I think, uh, on, on Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken. And so he wasn't in town for the Sacramento game, but he came to the the Thursday game and actually i thought gave some some pretty good minutes for the most part had four offensive rebounds 11 points 3 of 5 from the field 5 of 5 from the line he was a team worst minus 15 and there's probably something to that that while he was out there there are some things that he uh that he probably didn't do as well um i do think that in Denver's ideal lineups, going up against the Warriors, going up against the Suns, they're probably only going to be able to play one of Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, or Michael Porter in a lot of situations. Those guys are going to slide to the power forward. Jokic will be at center. And then you'll play three guards, and it's going to be a mixture of Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Austin Rivers, and then maybe Bones Highland and Bryn Forbes and Davon Reed and guys like that. Uh, that's going to be what it looks like for the most part in a series against these teams. And so perhaps the fact that Denver was big with Jokic, with Gordon, and with Jeff Green may not have been the best thing in the world switching on the perimeter against a team like the Warriors. But it's okay. Like, look, you just live and you learn at this at this point. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over what the bench lineup did. And I think there were some good things. There were some bad things for sure. But first, Hoops fans, we are getting ready for one of the biggest tournaments of the year, March Madness. There are teams that are going to be selected in Selection Sunday over the weekend. And there are just a few days left to join in on all of the action before the first team tips off. This Thursday or up, upcoming Thursday, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers a shot to bet just $5 on any team for the upcoming tournament. And if they win, you get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers are also giving teams and, and fans an opportunity to bet on college hoops with same game parlays where you combine multiple bets together from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So if you're interested, if you want to see, hopefully, CSU, looking to see them after David Roddy did some great things to help win the uh, the MWC, I am very interested to see if one of those teams is going to get involved in the tournament and if they do, you can download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS where you bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. And you get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call one 800 522 4,700. we're back pickaxe action roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in if you can it'd be awesome to rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify google wherever you get your podcasts seen a few reviews come in over the course of the past couple days and oh they're so positive like everybody's everybody's just so nice I, I really do appreciate it when when you hop on the internet sometimes you see the negative stuff but every time i look at the pod the podcast stuff everybody is so freaking positive so I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for all of the support. It really does mean the world. Okay, let's get into the bench. And I do think that there are some major takeaways from this bench group. I want to start with Bones. Let's start with the good. Uh, Bones was fantastic. And I know the the second half numbers probably not as good. Uh, definitely not as good as the first half numbers. But what he was able to do in that first quarter and the second quarter, kind of rallying Denver's team, rallying Denver's kind of morale around what they absolutely needed. They were were kind of dead in the water at various points. The bench was not performing up to snuff. Uh, There were some moments where they were giving up some bad shots. And there were some kind of negative moments from some other players. But Bones always brings the positive energy and the way that he connected with the crowd last night. I think was really really big, in that it got them it got them back into it. It got Denver the momentum they needed. They made some great defensive plays. They turned it into points on the other end. The in and out move that he had on Jonathan Kaminga was dirty. Was completely sick. But it wasn't just there. Like one of the things that I really notice from Bones, and he had a couple of these various possessions where he got into the teeth of the defense. And then dished out to Jermichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins and found cutters in such a way that it was just such an advanced feel for the position and understanding the geometry of the court, understanding where the help is coming from, but also where his help is coming from. And that's just great knowledge of the court and great knowledge of the game and and development. it's, It's tangible development for sure that he was able to handle that pressure. And let's be honest, there, there was a lot of pressure on him last night. To be able to help out at a consistent rate, I thought that like a little bit overstated at times the, the level of impact, but all of his plays felt so big that I was almost, almost kind of surprised that he didn't close the game in a lot of different ways. Because... The spacing that he provides, the shooting that he provides, the the level of dribble penetration and that kind of layer to the game, I think that's so helpful for what the Nuggets do. And He's going to continue to learn. There are going to be some learning moments. Uh, One of the funny moments from last night was when he got switched on to Steph Curry. All 170 pounds of Bones Highland decided that he was going to turn around and try to post up Steph Curry and he had the baseline fadeaway he said he got fouled uh, whether he got fouled or not i don't like he, i don't know i i didn't watch that particular replay but it was pretty funny to watch uh bones kind of light up his eyes lit up like saucers when he saw that steph curry most likely his idol uh was was guarding him at that point he knew he wanted to make a shot and he didn't uh, but he definitely acquitted himself last night in a way where Sometimes you forget the level to which bones can reach and the kind of potential that he does have. He's not always in a position where he's going to go off for large point totals or anything like that, but he did it in such a holistic way where he got a steal. He got 10 points. He got four rebounds. He got two assists and he set up a couple more assists that turned into fouls. Um, where Jermichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins and guys like that were able to co- then convert their free throws at that point. He's leading the bench in a lot of ways, and he's kind of the emotional heartbeat of that group in a lot of ways. And I am really excited to see where he continues to go. I said on a previous podcast with Adam Maris that I thought that he had all-star potential, max player kind of potential. I think there are going to be some nuances to his game that probably limit him from getting there, but he has the talent, and I I don't think that there's any question that if he continues to hit threes at a high clip, and if he can find a way to be a little bit more efficient from the two-point range, finishing at the rim a little bit better, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to win basketball games. And Matt Moore turned to me yesterday and said he's probably going to follow a, a Lou Williams trajectory for his career. That tracks. That's that's pretty reasonable. If Denver gets Lou Williams and, and that level of player for the next, I don't know, like over the course of his prime for like four to six years, that's great. That would, that would be fantastic. On the other end of the spectrum, I was really... Disappointed is the wrong word. Um, I was really frustrated with DeMarcus Cousins last night. Nine points, three rebounds. He was three of six from the field, three of six from the free throw line. He, he missed several free throws that would have been pretty big for Denver after. like Cousins is a pretty good foul shooter, so I'm not going to necessarily blame him extensively for that. But he had another three turnovers last night, and a lot of the turnovers that he had were just dumb. Like They were just losing the ball, trying to make a move, trying to barrel through somebody. And he lost the ball. He got frustrated. Denver would play four on five in defensive transition, and then they would give up a bucket. And DeMarcus Cousins picked up another technical foul last night, and that earned the Warriors some more points. And Demarcus Cousins really struggled to defend the Warriors perimeter scheme where they were passing and cutting and moving at a very high rate. And it was clear that Cousins was pretty tired and he couldn't really do a lot of the things necessary for a second unit center to be able to do. And I thought it was pretty telling that Michael Malone, rather than going to Demarcus Cousins at the six minute mark, When Jokic picked up his fourth foul, he got into foul trouble last night, picked up his fourth foul at about the six-minute mark. Malone instead goes small, and I think he put in bones. I think he slid Jeff Green to the five. Uh, It obviously didn't work, but I do think that it's pretty telling that the Nuggets decided to try to go that route because I think they knew that putting DeMarcus Cousins in open space against Steph Curry, not a great idea. And then when he came into the game, he came into the game about four and a half minutes left to go in the third quarter. And one of the big reasons Steph Curry went off, it wasn't just because Austin Rivers left the game. A lot of it was because they were involving DeMarcus Cousins in every action. they were getting him out on the perimeter and he was gambling for steals, didn't get steals. And there was a wide open lane to the cup or just a wide open rotation for a teammate. That's not great, and I know it's a four and five. I know Cousins is probably pretty tired. I wouldn't be surprised about that. That this is just a lot of minutes for him in a short amount of time. But so much of his effect on the team has been from a physical standpoint. It's been from a playmaking for others standpoint. He had zero assists last night. I thought that he he didn't necessarily pass the ball well. Just on top of the fact that he didn't have zero assists. Like sometimes you pass the ball well and don't get any assists out of it. I just don't think he passed the ball very well. I don't think his decision making was great. And I thought that Denver could have benefited from having a focal point like that. They didn't have that. They didn't have a great focal point last night. And when he's not on you really start to see the effect of it like he was definitely better in the first half than he was in the second half I don't know I'm I'm a little bit concerned again like take the take this with a grain of salt because being concerned after the fourth game in five nights is generally not a good idea it really isn't but there are going to be some significant matchups in a playoff series where whatever team Denver faces, let's say they get the six seed. Let's say they have to face Memphis. If DeMarcus Cousins has to go against Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams and then defend John Morant in space or defend Tyus Jones, and that's going to be like, oh, he can defend Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones will kill him in space. And there are going to be a lot of other players on a team like Memphis that'll do that let alone teams like Golden State and Phoenix and Dallas with Luka. There's going to be a lot of other tough matchups that are going to be tough for a, t- a player like DeMarcus who's going to struggle in a lot of cases. Sometimes he'll be good. And that's the point is that he's going to be up and down. It's not going to be always great all the time. What he can control is the avoidance of technical fouls. He picked up his 10th technical foul last night. He is six away from getting suspended for a game. Like, think about that. He is literally on pace to get suspended from a Nuggets regular season game. Imagine saying that, like like with, with how few minutes he plays on a consistent basis. His technical fouls per minute right now has got to be leading the league. And it's not even really close in my in my uh, expert analysis from uh, my, my armchair here. I do think that if he can't get it under control, then there is a very distinct chance that he will be left out of the playoff rotation, despite the fact that he's had a positive impact as the backup center. Despite the fact that he's had a a general, like he's been a talent boost for the bench, where they've needed guys like Jamichael Green to step up and play the backup five, they've had Zeke Nagy in there at times, they've had Jeff Green in there at times. Demarcus Cousins has been better as the backup five in 95% of situations. There are going to be some situations against some really good teams where he is going to probably fall short. I hope that the Nuggets are ready for that. I hope that they have other counters that they can go to. I would like to see Aaron Gordon and Zeke Nagy together again. I'd like to see Zeke Nagy in in some other aspects. Zeke was out last night. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be healthy, like, like perfectly healthy going forward. But Denver should probably rest Zeke, make sure that he can get healthy for probably like the last 10 regular season games of the season. And I'd like to see him in some different configurations, whether it's Zeke at the four, Cousins at the five, whether it's uh, Aaron Gordon at the four, Zeke at the five. I know that Denver's all about winning and staying out of the play-in right now. But I do think they have to find some other solutions at backup center. I, I just, I'm a little bit worried about this, for sure. Jermichael Green had a really good game. I'm going to probably speed through the bench here at this point. Jermichael Green had another really good game. I thought he rotated really well. I thought that there were some really good moments from Jermichael as a, an offensive rebounder, as a defensive rebounder. I thought he made some great passes. Uh, there was a one great pass that he made from under the rim. Uh, he actually makes these passes a lot where he gets under the rim, and if he doesn't feel like he has a good opportunity at a layup, he will kick it out to an open three-point shooter. And Bryn Forbes, who I'm going to talk about next year, he, I think he missed the main three on which this was kind of a thing, but... For the most part, Jermichael makes some pretty good decisions now. He led the team in plus-minus last night at plus three. Probably could have played even more. Wouldn't surprise me if he plays more in various stretches. Uh, He has really turned his season around. Uh, Probably needs to hit more threes. I don't think he's been hitting the three of late. But I do think that he has such a tangible value at the four next to Cousins. That that's one of the intrinsic values of having cousins, right? Is that he can push other players to their proper position and give them some physical advantages that they haven't had before this season. So I do think that that's one of the reasons why you keep cousins in, but there are some matchups where that's going to kind of fall short. And tonight, against, or last night against Golden State, was one of them. Bryn Forbes, uh, like I said, didn't necessarily hit enough shots. He had six points, though. One of five from the field, one of four from three. He did get fouled on a three-point shot, so he does get credit for that, especially because he made all three free throws. Um, so six points on six shooting possessions isn't the best efficiency, but it's also not the worst. I'm not going to uh, sit here and just berate Bryn Forbes for not lifting Denver shooting single-handedly last night. Um, That is his job, and, and he did – garner a lot of attention from the Warriors. I do think that there are some times where the Nuggets probably go through a player like DeMarcus Cousins a little bit too much when they could probably stand to be a little bit more perimeter oriented from a Bones Highland, from a Davon Reed uh, standpoint. I do think that those opportunities also give some benefit to a player like Bryn Forbes where he can – kind of attack some closeouts in that situation when teams overplay him. Um, But he also just had a lot of attention paid to him last night from the Warriors. They also put some length on him at times, whether it was Descano Anderson, whether it was uh, Clay Thompson, whether it was Andrew Wiggins. There were a lot of players that were pretty big that were guarding Bryn Forbes last night. So I'm not going to like it's just kind of a nondescript game. Uh, and then Davon Reed, two of three from the field, six points, one of two from the three-point line, did have two assists. Also had two blocks. Um, he was second in plus-minus behind Jamichael Green. He was uh, Jamichael was plus three. Davon was plus two. The bench overall was about even. They had a really good stint in the first half, really bad stint in the second half. That's kind of how this goes. Like you can't necessarily count on them to be great against good teams, especially a team like the Warriors where they were staggering both Clay and Andrew Wiggins with the second unit. And that's not like the greatest. I'm not going to sit here and act like the Warriors. Um, I'm not going to sit here and act like they had the best talents because they were missing some rotation players last night too, but obviously so were the Nuggets. So the bench that Denver was able to field in Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed, Jamichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, the fact that it was basically neutral, that says a lot more to me. It was basically neutral. And what Denver was able to do with that, despite being pretty shorthanded, I think is pretty good on a four and five. They needed that unit to give them another positive stint in the second half. It didn't end up happening, but I'm not going to sit here and act like they should have. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk more about just the fatigue and where Denver stands when we come back. And roll final segment here, uh, I think probably the way to go with this segment is to just talk about kind of wrap-up takeaways from last night, uh, where Denver currently stands, what the fatigue level is, and uh, just whether this is at all concerning at all. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and answer that. Is it a point of concern? Yes and no. There are some reasons to be concerned. There are some reasons to not be concerned because... Some fatigue is temporary. Some fatigue is permanent. There are some permanent miles that the Nuggets are accruing right now that are not great. Um, But to start the magic number for a playoff seed, it stays at 14. Denver has 15 games to go. So in order to, like, hypothetically, let's say the T-Wolves, let's say they go undefeated for the rest of the year, which means that Denver loses a game on April 1st against the T-Wolves, that means that the Nuggets have to go 14-1, 14-0 the rest of the way, in order to guarantee that they outpace the Timberwolves in the standings. Uh, that's obviously not likely, nor is it likely that the T-Wolves go undefeated themselves. So there will be some opportunities for the T-Wolves to drop some games here. What What I will say is that I do think that with the T-Wolves' schedule, they, they've got some pretty tough games in mid-March. I think they're a little bit more liable to drop some games against tough teams that they probably should win. Uh, there will be some home games that they drop. There will be some road games that they don't really have a prayer in, despite the fact that they are fighting for a playoff spot and, and can probably taste some blood or at least at least get very close to it given that Denver lost last night. There's an opportunity for the T-Wolves to overtake Denver if Denver slips up. The Nuggets probably can't slip up. They probably have to go 10-5 and five the rest of the way in order to outpace what the T-Wolves can do. 10-5 means that the T-Wolves have to lose four games in order for Denver to claim a playoff spot. I think that that's very likely. I think that's very possible. If the T Wolves lose three or less, more power to them. That's going to be really tough for Denver to outpace. But I do think that this playoff race is definitely going to have some negative effects on some of Denver's mainstays. What we've seen from last game, Nikola is just tired. He he's very physically worn down. There was a lot of discussion about the All Star break kind of being a not necessarily a break for him. He only got away for about two days on Monday and Tuesday, then came back and practice on Wednesday, saw him on that Wednesday, and then they're playing on Thursday at that point. Denver has had a very busy schedule. Obviously, four games and five nights is going to be very difficult for that. They've played a lot of games at home, but they also had this like awful back-to-back where there just there's a lot of bad travel involved not a great logistical setup. That should probably even out over the course of the next few weeks because the Nuggets don't have another back-to-back for the rest of the year. Let me say that again. 15 games left to go, the Nuggets are done with back-to-backs. They will no longer play a back-to-back for the rest of the year. Now, they will play every other day for pretty much the rest of the year. So it's going to be very much routine. There's going to be very few breaks from the routine. There's going to be one stretch in April, I'm pretty sure, where Denver gets two days off in a row as opposed to one. But other than that, they are going to be game day, off day, game day, off day. You'll have some travel mixed in there when they have to go on the road. But other than that, Things are going to be pretty regimented for the rest of the year. Joker is a creature of habit. When he gets into a rhythm, that's when he's best. It's very hard for him to miss time, like miss an extended period and then immediately come back and immediately get into rhythm. It's also very difficult for him to maintain this historic level that he's been on off of very short amounts of rest. And like consistently shorts amount of rest. So I'm not surprised that he struggled last night. I think that he will be better next game. I would would not be surprised if he struggled again. But I do think that he needs to be better. Because the rest of the team also very clearly looks worn down. Aaron Gordon has been looking very worn down ever since the New Orleans game. He was very big in the New Orleans game, despite the fact that he missed some threes in that one. He got to the free throw line 15 times in an overtime game while defending Brandon Ingram for much of it. He has a lot of credit built up over this year, so I'm not going to denigrate him. It would be nice if Denver had some other guys step up around Nicola, and Monte Morris has done that. He's been great. Will Barton has been out, though, and so I think it's on Aaron Gordon to probably be that next guy in line who steps up and provides a little bit more of an offensive punch. Over the course of these last few games, it certainly has felt like, okay, Nikola has been unbelievable as a scorer. Monte has stepped up and been the second guy. Last night, Jeff Green was the third leading scorer with 11 points. Aaron Gordon had 10. Bones Highland had 10. Cousins had nine, a few other guys had six. So Denver's now in a situation where they're going to need some other high volume performances just to get through the regular season. And I think that Aaron Gordon can provide that. It would be nice if he could get that three-pointer on track. It feels like he hasn't had the three-pointer for a while here. Now, I'll have to go back and look at it just to make sure that that's actually true, and it's not just kind of a figment of my imagination, but but it sort of feels like ever since about February 1, that Aaron Gordon has really struggled from a shooting perspective. I think he's down to about 31% from three. I know that Jeff Green's down to 30% from three. And having limited floor spacing, I think, is taking a wear and tear on Nicola specifically where he has to deal with these condensed lanes over and over and over again. And it's fine for a game. It's fine for two. Might even be fine for five and six. But once you get to game seven and eight in a row of that, can get a little bit physically challenging for him, despite the fact that Jokic is a very clearly well-conditioned athlete. I also want to point out that communication broke down more so in this game than any of the others. And that is also a sign of fatigue where guys are trying to talk. Guys are trying to listen. They're trying to do the right thing. Nobody ever tries to not do the right thing. But if you forget a switch, if you forget a slip or a certain coverage, it can completely collapse your defense. And those kinds of breakdowns Pretty consistently happened last night against the Warriors. Is that a sign of permanent fatigue? Probably not. Is that a sign of temporary fatigue that Denver may not be getting over over the course of the next four to five games? I don't know. We're going to have to see. But here's the good news Denver gets a day off today before playing Toronto. They don't have to travel, they don't have to do anything. They're going to hang out at home. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And then they're going to play Toronto on Saturday. Toronto's playing a back-to-back in Phoenix tonight. They're also going to be without OG Ananobi. Hopefully, Will Barton comes back for this game. Maybe Zeke Nagy comes back for this game. Maybe Denver gets some reinforcements. And then you can kind of put guys in, into a normal pecking order or a more normal pecking order than they have been over the course of these past few games without Barton. So there are some reasons for optimism, especially in the short term, where Denver just needs one extra body or two extra bodies in order to just get through it, where Jokic has been at such a high level that as long as he gets a little bit of help, Denver should be fine. But what I will say, is that you've got to control what you can control. Can't get caught up in the other things that, whether it's foul calls or other teams making just a high number of elite shots on you. Um, You got to just play the 48 minutes. And if you're better than the other team, it will show up. I think there's been a lot of complaining on Denver's side over the course of these past few weeks I think there's been a lot of drama and despite the fact they've been winning they've been doing well enough it does feel like Denver is kind of reaching their mental breaking point i'm a little bit concerned with so hopefully you take an off day today you have finally a, a little bit of a break time where you don't have to have, you don't have to travel you don't have to worry about anybody for just a little bit You watch the film, you take a little bit of time to yourself, and if you're the Nuggets, you need that time. If you recover well, then you still are setting yourself up for success on Saturday against Toronto, and then hopefully on Monday against Joel Embiid, James Harden, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Those games are going to be so big, and I am really, really looking forward to how the Nuggets handle them. Should be a lot of fun. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Sorry this podcast was a little bit late. Uh, I don't plan on doing this that often. I still want to record in the evenings as often as possible, but... It got pretty late, so let's be honest. You weren't going to listen to this at 7 o'clock in the morning. Let's see if I can get this up at uh, by 11 or so. I will be back on Sunday following Denver Saturday game. I also have a guest lined up to talk about the Philly versus Denver, Nicola versus Joel battle that is ensuing. That will be on Monday prior to the Nuggets' um, biggest game in a long time for Nikola Jokic, at least individually. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys very soon.